Listen as I read to you familiar words from Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. May God bless this, his holy word. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a night the likes of which I dare say none of you have ever seen. It was a cold, crisp Christmas Eve in rural northern Minnesota some 85 years ago now. The temperature was down in the teens, and the wind was blowing the snow off the drifts that lined the highway. A boy and his brother were walking home from church that Christmas Eve, after the service of candles and carols. 
And the words and music of that Christmas Eve service were echoing inside their heads as they walked the three miles to their farmhouse. And as they walked, the two boys were certain that they heard angels singing. Well, when they got home and reported that startling news to their mother, she replied, well, perhaps you did. And several years later, one of those boys who grew up to be a friend, a senior mentor of mine, said of that experience, looking back now, perhaps it was just the winter wind whistling through the wire fence. But to me and to my brother, it was angel music. Which are you going to hear this year? The Christmas noise or the angel music? Someone is sure to ask you come January 2nd when you head back to school or back to work, back to your normal routine, how was your Christmas? And what are you going to say? It may seem at first that your answer to that question depends mostly on the circumstances that surround your Christmas celebration, your holiday. Being able to spend time with family, having enough money to buy all the presents you think you need to buy, being able to enjoy a Christmas gathering where peace and goodwill flow freely, even among people who don't get along the rest of the year, enjoying a Christmas dinner, unspoiled by that drunk uncle or by that aunt who always comes three hours late, carrying a casserole that has to be heated and eaten, getting everything on your Christmas list, the circumstances of Christmas. But whether you hear angels singing or just the wind-whistling Christmas noise this Christmas doesn't depend on those external details of your celebrating. It depends on your preparation of heart and soul and mind to enter once again into the joy and wonder of God coming to dwell among us. The good news back to which all the festivity of Christmas hearkens is that God is with us, Emmanuel. He has come out of the hiddenness of heaven to be revealed and known among us. He has come in the form of a human being God's son, who said, he who sees me sees the Father. And here the longings of millions of people who have sung, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, God, with us, whether they have known the words and music or not, all of those who have sung here, all of those longings are satisfied in the coming of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel is here. At Christmas, we see God reaching out 
not content to stay in heaven, but out of love, not content to watch people's futile attempts to scale the walls of heaven to be with him, but God coming out, God reaching out, coming down, seeking us, searching us out, giving himself to enter into a relationship with us that brings us life abundant and eternal. One of our boys used to pray each night, Dear God, thank you that you could be with us today. Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you are old enough to recall several years ago when it seemed that every other TV commercial had a man and a woman in it running in slow motion toward each other with arms wide open ready to embrace arms outstretched in love and and welcome. And it didn't seem to matter what was being advertised, whether shampoo or a car of uh, some kind. Every time you looked at the screen, people were running across fields of daisies to fall into each other's arms. Do you remember those commercials? Or is it just me? The tragedy of Christmas is that here, most of all, We see God's open arms. We see God's advance toward us, running toward us to embrace us, to enfold us, to welcome us. But so many go running on by and never experience the warmth and security and love of God's encircling arms. C.S. Lewis, in a conversation with a friend of his named Sheldon Van Auken, uh, talked about people and their quest for God. That conversation is recorded in a book by Van Auken called A Severe Mercy. They talked of that something we all long for, whether it be an island in the west or the other side of the mountain or perhaps a yacht. We long for it in the belief that it will mean joy, which it never fully does, because we are really longing for God. Blaise Pascal wrote about that God-shaped void, that vacuum in each one of us, that empty place that only God can fill perfectly. Years before, Augustine, the church father, said that God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. That Christmas rush to find joy and to to buy happiness for ourselves and for those we love is like rummaging through a pile of puzzle pieces to find the one that fits that empty place. Trying them all out, 
hoping that each one is the one, but in the end, still left with that gaping void, with that empty space. Now, it's not my intent this morning to put down any of the festivity and celebration of Christmas, especially the custom of giving gifts. I like that custom, and all gifts with my name on them are gladly received and hastily opened if my wife lets me. But we need to to look at what hope we invest in all the trappings of these days and all the trappings of Christmas, including the giving and receiving of presents and good times with family and friends. If you look to those things to fill that space that only God can fill, then come January 2nd or so, you will have heard the wind but missed the angel music. That the birth of the king of glory, that announcement, that angel music should come first to a group of shepherds is really an amazing thing. Shepherds in those days were on the very bottom of the social totem pole. The only people lower than shepherds on that scale were lepers and beggars. Shepherds were just above lepers and beggars. Shepherds were untouchables, outcasts. They were not religious people. They could not keep all the rules of Jewish ceremony. Think about it, living with sheep day and night. You just couldn't keep yourself clean enough. Good people did not associate with them. And then, on a clear evening, as shepherds watched their flocks on the hills outside of Jerusalem, the whole sky lit up, and the status of shepherds was forever changed. God spoke to them the great news, the good news. A Savior had been born. There are three signs that the shepherds heard the angel music that night, not just the Christmas noise. Three signs. First, the shepherds worried. It seems that every time an angel appears in the Bible, the angel has to say hurriedly, don't be afraid. The shepherds worried. They were scared. Remember, they were not expecting that. There was no advance warning of a visit by an angel that night. To them, it was going to be just another night on the hills with their sheep, a cold, lonely night on the Judean hills. The angel was a complete surprise. It says in the text, suddenly there was with them And I believe it was a terrible surprise. Now, I always hasten, or I always uh, uh, reluctantly contradict anything that has happened on this platform before me uh, when I preach, but I think the choir got it wrong this morning. 
I don't think we would have wanted to be there, really, at least initially. (laughs) We would have been scared to death to be there on that night. We would have been afraid. We would have worried. As Luke wrote, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. My favorite King James words from the Christmas story, second only to great with child. They were sore afraid. Why? Well, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That's a phrase used in the Bible to speak of the ineffable presence of God himself. You remember it was the glory of the Lord that Moses saw in the burning bush. It was the glory of the Lord that was that pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day that guided the Israelites in the wilderness. The presence of the Lord, you see. It was the glory of the Lord that some of the disciples were privileged to experience on the mountain of transfiguration. It was the glory of the Lord, no doubt, that Paul got a not just a glimpse, but a shot of on that road to Damascus, the presence of God. It was the glory of the Lord that appeared to those shepherds, the presence of God himself. And their response to God's presence was and is always the proper response. They were sore afraid. The Greek transliterated there actually says they were phobiaized, with a megaphobia, phobiaized with a megaphobia. And so the angel had to say to them quickly, don't be afraid, it's good news, not bad. Imagine yourself all alone, one dark night, sitting somewhere or perhaps driving down a lonely road. If you were suddenly confronted with what you knew unmistakably to be the presence of God himself, the one and only true and living God, wouldn't you be a bit worried? Wouldn't you be afraid? Can you blame the shepherds for their response? They must have thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in for it now. What have we done? Or perhaps they thought, oh, we know what we've done, and now we're going to get it. So worry is always a fitting response to the incarnation, the enfleshment of God, God coming among us to live with us. God becoming a human being should set us thinking. God living with people is always a fearful thing because his holiness highlights our unholiness. His perfection reveals our imperfection. We see more clearly our impurity next to his purity. And like the prophet Isaiah, we should say when we meet God, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a person of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So God's appearance should set us worrying a bit. 
say that God should appear to you some day in a spectacular way as he did to the shepherds. I say to you that he is just as present with you now as he would be then. The incarnation, you see, means God with us. Emmanuel. So our first response to the coming of Jesus into human life should be worry of a kind. Not neurotic anxiety, but the healthy sort of questioning of our lives, of our attitudes, our actions, because we know that the holy God is with us. He's here. The second response of the shepherds that marks them as those who heard not just the Christmas noise, but the angel music was wonder. They wondered about this. They were filled with awe, and that awe led to a certain curiosity. They had to check out the good news that the angel announced. No one told them to go to Bethlehem, but the magnitude of the event was not lost on them. They couldn't remain on the hills with their sheep when they had been summoned by the presence of God with them to the crib side of the incarnate God. And as soon as the angels disappeared, they went. The scripture say, says that they went with haste. And that could be translated, they went just as fast as they could. The announcement caused them to wonder and they had to go and see for themselves. And we would do well to wonder. We Christians can act blasé, unimpressed about Christmas. Another Christmas has come. It will be my 67th. Another Christmas come and gone. We've seen everything Christmassy in our short lives. We're sophisticated. We're not easily impressed anymore. It would be good for us all to recover that simplicity that is open to being impressed again and again and again with the greatness of God, with his mighty power, with his strong passion and love out of which he acts to save us. One way to be impressed is to look around us at all the human problems that continue to present themselves that cannot be solved, it seems, with all of our sociological brilliance or our technological intelligence and ingenuity. The world needs God now as it always has. That's why we should never surrender Christmas to the pagans because Christmas says God is for us and God is with us and the God that we need is here and available. That's why we should never turn Christmas into this celebration of the vague Christmas spirit, whatever that is. That is why we should throw ourselves year after year into celebrating the coming of Christ to live among us. We should stand back in awe and reflect on the Christmas scene. 
the birth of God as a man, the invasion of human culture by the only one who can help it and save it. And that event holds enough wonder and awe to last forever. But worry and wonder are not enough. The shepherds also worshipped. They came to see the Christ child. And at the manger, they exchanged their worry for worship. When they saw him, they made known the saying that had been told them about the child. They advertised what the angels announced to them. Here is the Savior. Here is Christ the Lord. Here is the great joy that will be to all the people. Luke wrote, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. What will you do to worship the Christ? This baby who was born but who did not remain a darling baby but grew to teach and be the example of perfection and then to give himself in sacrifice for us that the wrath of God would be satisfied, that our sins would be paid for and atoned and covered? How will you bring worship to this Christ? What will you give to honor the one who was born and lived and died and lives again to be your Savior? How about giving yourself as an act of worship? How about heeding the words of the Apostle Paul? I appeal to you because of the mercies of God to give yourselves all you are and all you do and all you have to give yourselves as an act of worship dedicated completely to him. Well, what are you hearing these days? Christmas noise or angel music? If it's angel music, you ought to be moved to worry and wonder and worship. Amen. Let us pray. Father, forgive us for being hard of heart and dull of ear so that we do not hear the angel music, so we are not moved as we ought to be moved by the great news of great joy to all the people, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord, there's still time this Christmas season 
for us to attune our hearts and ears and minds and hearts to angel music, to hear the message and rejoice in our salvation and to spread the good news of that salvation possible to the people around. Help us to do that, we pray, for the sake and the greater glory of your Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And let us stand for the benediction. Go now in the love and peace and joy of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.